conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is back. Today I am joined by a brand new guest, Jen Nguyen, and we are talking all about the first season of Netflix's new series, Lock and Key, and it is based on a comic book series written by Joe Hill. Jen has read more of them than I have, so we won't be talking about the comics too terribly (laughs) much in this, but Jen, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing great. I'm doing okay, um, considering that it's been a little bit crazy with this whole coronavirus thing that's happening. But, you know, interestingly enough, um, I was just thinking about, you know, how the kids in Lock and Key, um, how they're just like running around on this like almost like scavenger hunt of finding yeah. all the keys in the house. It's like, oh man, I need to have a way to distract myself, like just staying home. <laughs> and stuff too. So it was kind of like, oh, it's so relatable right now. Unfortunately, not all of us have a house and property the size of the Locke family. <laughs> so we can't necessarily do scavenger hunts, but we can. I know. We can figure out some things to keep us entertained. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the whole scavenger hunt thing too, because I think that's where Bodie really comes into play story wise, because he is the youngest of the characters you have. Bodie, Kinsey, Tyler, and then their mother, Nina, who live in the house along with Dodge, who is living in the well, and nobody (laughs) believes Bodie at first. So you have this sort of innocence about Bodie, and he's just so excited about everything. And while most kids aren't necessarily excited about changing and going to a new school and things like that, he's just excited that there's so many interesting things in the house and he can kind of just isolate himself and do his own thing. He doesn't have to go out and have a ton of friends. And you can tell that Tyler is sort of the one that has the easiest time adjusting as far as on the front of making friends. So just the three siblings alone, there's a lot going on there. So they each have different dynamics with each other and then the people that they meet. And with the mom, I would say most of them sort of have the same dynamic with her because they kind of know that she's going through the same thing. They are just in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought it was really fascinating and very interesting how, you know, the very first episode, it just showed all four characters in the car and just the way that they're essentially like dealing with moving to a completely different like place, uprooting themselves from a place of like what used to be great memories built but it became like a place of like trauma and just tragedy, right? Like in the car, you see Bodie just like looking through his photography. And then for his older brother, he's just Tyler. He's just listening to like his, his earbuds or listening to music and just not really engaging. Um, it's very interesting to me that all three kids had their own way of just um, being creative or just like distracting themselves. Whereas the mom was just like, okay, I just need to drive and just focus on the road. And then later on in the story, um, like what you're mentioning, like how all three kids, like they, 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 they have all different like personalities. Mm-hmm. Once they were able to get the head key, we got to see a glimpse of like their personality and yeah. just like, like how they deal with the trauma, right? Like with Bodhi, like you said, like everything is like bright and color, colorful. Like it's like, what was it? I, I believe, he opened up like a toy chest 
And then when he got inside, uh. it was like an arcade and everything was bright and fun. And like as little kids, you know, should be. It's like, like everything is just so fun. You can like spend hours just like playing Legos or see everything so brightly colored and great for him. Um, and then, you know, later on, when you compare that to like Kinsey, hers was just like, oh man, it was like a mall, which makes sense because like her age group, yeah. but it was just so huge. And then you see like weird stuff for like the elevator, the escalator going to different directions. So even though she herself might be very organized and maybe the way that she thinks or like how her personality is, there's still a lot of chaos in there. And, you know, there's so many like small details too, especially when she walked in and then she sees a map. It's like, this is your own head, but you need a map just to navigate through. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, maybe there's sometimes like yeah. for, for people like her or it, even for us, it's like, we might have like information overload or you feel or think so many things at once, but it's like all over the place, but it's also organized in a very chaotic way. So I really like like the fact that with Lock and Key, you know, there's a lot of beautiful visuals that they pull from the book. And because that was one thing that I was very interested in figuring out was uh -huh. how are you going to how, how are you going to show us going into your head? You know, yeah. um, so I, I thought the visuals and just like um, the cinematography was really great. And I just love that you see their, all their different personalities and like it's almost like a glimpse inside and how she she found her fear eventually later on and she tried to like get rid of it so it's like at least for me I just love all the direct you know oh this is what it is like literally she like took her fear out but it's also all the the metaphors you know of like what we can take away from this tv show where I feel like you know I, I'm sure we all have gone through like tough times in our lives um maybe it's like to the extreme of what these kids have gone through but even like just the small things right like or not small not trying to minimize people's like mm -hmm. um traumas or issues but you know, even with bullying you know or being scared of like being able to fit in because as we see Tyler had a very easy time when it came to like his transition into a new town a new school the fact that everybody knows their story you yeah. know like and how to deal with that of, of having this limelight as children and not really knowing how to navigate that. Whereas for Kinsey, she just, you know, kind of, she wants her own space and she's a little bit more introverted. So I like that it has a little bit of everything for each person. And it just shows, you know, the TV show um, without directly drilling it into your head or being so blatant about it. It shows that like everybody has their own way of coping and dealing with trauma and it doesn't, there's no right or wrong way. It's just, it's, all different for everybody and I think with that it's very relatable to any of us viewers I thought they did a great job of doing that especially with the dynamic with the mom and the kids and stuff too for me at least I thought it was well done oh absolutely and one of the things I found interesting was the fact that we see Kinsey and Tyler at school a ton throughout this first season but we only yeah. really get one scene of Bodie at school and I think that kind of goes to show that He's not someone who is really trying to focus on the school front because he's so focused on these keys and finding them <laughs> now. And you have that moment where, you know, he gets in trouble at school and Nina goes to pick him up and she's like, you cannot do this. You know, you cannot bring weapons in your backpack <laughs> to school. And it's something that while yeah. funny in the context of the show, it's a very serious thing that we've seen happen in real life. And so when you have 
that one scene, you're like, okay, you kind of get an understanding of how Bodhi is and how school isn't really important to his life right now. But because Kinsey and Tyler are in high school, that's a whole different dynamic changing schools at that age. So because Tyler's in because Tyler's on the hockey team for at least a little bit, it's easier for him to transition. But Kinsey's sort of the loner outsider. And yes, everyone knows their story, but she's sort of, like you said, more introverted about it. And it really makes it harder for her. So when she does find the group of kids that are really like trying to be the Tom Savini's of the world with their makeup (laughs) effects and you know gore effects it's one of those things where you're like okay I understand each of these characters and why we see them in these certain settings and with Nina you kind of just have her fixing up the house trying to get back into what she used to do which seemed to be interior design kind of stuff you know Mm -hmm. creating these spaces for people and it's one of those things where The core cast, I think they nailed it. And I also have to mention that Bodhi is also Georgie from the It remake. (laughs) So there's your Joe Hill, (laughs) Stephen King connection there. And, you know, we can't talk about the cast without talking about some of the cameos. I already mentioned Tom Savini, who pops up as, you know, the locksmith key guy in this, which I thought was (laughs) a very nice touch. And you caught this other one, and I totally did not catch it. You noticed that Joe and Gabriel, the creators of the comic, were in this as paramedics. Yeah, yeah. I At, at that point, I almost, well, not almost, I actually screamed at the TV. <laughs> it's funny because I've been such a Joe Hill fan, um, Gabriel Rodriguez fan for so long now. It's like, I can spot them out in a crowd. <laughs> well, it helps that Joe Hill looks a lot like his father, too. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like I have this weird obsession of just like wanting to meet him. And I actually got to meet Joe Hill just this past year at um, San Diego Comic-Con. You know, after reading the graphic novels and seeing the artwork, how detailed and intricate it is, I wasn't surprised to to watch the Netflix TV show and to see all the little small details that they included in the TV show as well. Like, you know, just from the diversity of how people cope with trauma, but then the small things, like one of the scenes, I believe it was from the the very first episode. It was when Bodhi was staring down into the well. Um, I don't know if anybody else caught this, but there was an upshot or a, of a like an aerial shot of it. it. It was a view from as if if you were standing in the well, looking up, at, at Bodhi's face, right on top of it, there was um, the very peak of the well, and, and there's a, a rope that comes down. It actually looks like a key. Okay. So I picked up on like these small little things, right? Where for me, it was like, wait, was this intentional? Or am I like <laughs> reading too much into this? But, you know, the fact that I think most likely they did these small things on purpose, and I just totally appreciated that. So, you know, for anybody out there that has not read the graphic novels, I do highly recommend because at least for me, I feel like they did a great job of like picking up all the details, but in different ways within the TV show. It's hard too when you're adapting a comic book because with comics, the artist can literally draw anything on the page, no matter how unrealistic. But then when you literally have to bring it to life, even with things like CGI now, there are still certain limitations with TV and film that you can't necessarily 
do exactly like they have done them in the comics. And just from the little that I did read from the comics, I was like, okay, they nailed the house and the feel of the area, the small town vibe and everything. And the setting made a huge impact on the story visually, I think, because every time you get a shot of that house, you're just like, wow, that is insanely large, even for four people <laughs> to be in. <laughs> and so then when you yeah. see Bodhi running around inside and you get into the story of the house a lot more and that hidden room that Nina and Ellie, who was a friend of her husband's from back in the day, uncover, you're just like, does this house ever end? And then you have things like the well house and you have all of the property, you have like the graveyard. There's just so much to it that I think it really just helps bolster the story of not only the lore with Dodge and everything that's going on, but just the family history as well. Yeah. I really love that house like that you mentioned, because to me, it also kind of you know, it made me think of like, oh man, this is like a haunted house. And just like all the little things that just reminds me of like why I love the horror genre <laughs> so much. Like, um, I like they're like sm- almost like little small nods, you know, like one of the keys where they're looking at each other, like the reflection and how it's like their, their version of themselves, but very evil or creepy. And, you know, how many how many stories did we grow up with where it's like, oh, don't look in the mirror, don't say certain names or, you know, stuff like that. I thought it was just very fun, like how how they tied all these like little things in with. And, you know, as we mentioned before, um, having Bodhi be the one child, the youngest one to like, hey, like I hear these voices or like there's somebody in the well and nobody, nobody believes him until like like they see it for themselves. And even when, you know, I'm kind of jumping all over, but even when um their mom was stuck in that little mirror maze thing. And when they got her out of there, she just yeah. lost all memory of what just happened. Oh, because, yeah. And, you know, the kids were like, oh, it's because you're an adult, <laughs> you know. So just seeing how big that house is, it's just like, it's so beautiful. It's so historical. And it's also like lightweight, creepy. And how the keys are whispering to each other. It's just like, there's so much more, at least to me, just watching it. Where I'm like, oh man, like this is making me think about this movie. This is making me think about this and that. And you know, um, they did make some changes from the the graphic novel, and of I think I'm okay with it because, yeah, right. Because like, they, of course, you know, with adaptations too, you want to make it relatable and with the times and all of that. But one of the things that I thought was kind of cool because at first I was like, wait, am I okay with this or whatever? Because it's like, <laughs> what is it? Their town of Matheson, yeah. right? But in the graphic novel, it's actually Lovecraft. Right. And I believe it was a, a nod to like HP Lovecraft. So it's like, again, it's like all these small little things. It's like as much as Bodhi is running around in that house on his scavenger hunt, we were, I felt like we were on our own journey or on our own scavenger hunt of like, oh, is that a nod to this? Or like, is that a nod to that? It just makes it even extra exciting as we're watching it too, as we start to like piece things together in our own minds. So I just thought like overall, it was just so, it was a really fun journey. I'm glad that you brought up how Nina sort of forgot what happened in the mirror. And it wasn't until she started drinking and she was a little more inhibited and her mind was a little more (laughs) open that she was starting to remember and retain these magical things that were happening because she found you know, the wardrobe that fixed things. 
And she finally started to believe, because she was drinking at that time pretty heavily, you could see all of her stashes throughout the house. (laughs) And the older kids knew almost right away, just because, you know, they're they're not dumb and they could smell it. With Bodhi, he was kind of off doing his own thing, so he didn't notice quite as much of it. But I thought that was a good way to sort of take that horror trope and twist it on its head a little and be like, okay, she's going to forget, but we're going to have a moment where we let her remember and she'll start to believe what her kids are telling her. I keep spinning this with like the whole mental health thing, but that's also something that's very, that I'm very passionate about. It's, it's so interesting, right? Because it's like, it's like a double whammy. It's like, on one hand, it's what you were just saying about how now she's starting to remember but that's like her own way of like trying to bury like her, maybe her emotions, her memories, but it comes to surface, right? But then when we look at Kinsey, when she went back to kill her fear, you know, even though she thought she was successful and she was for a while, her hair, her attitude t- kind of changed a little bit too. And she was a lot more confident without having the insecurities, without having, you know, these other thoughts of like being, like being scared of what to say or what to do or how she's doing it. However, no matter how much you do that, where you try to bury, like literally, <laughs> she tried to bury her fear, Yeah, it did come back. You know, like later on in the show, we see her fear come back. And if anything, it came back in full force. So it was great because it didn't, They again, they didn't like shove it in your face with like all these, all these metaphors and things. They did it in a way where, at least for me, like I caught it, you know, as I watched it, like I actually watched it like two times. <laughs> and and I, in the second time when I watched it, that's why. Oh, like how you deal with things, you know, she did it to the extreme. It's like, I'm going to go in and remove something or at least to try to bury it. But no matter what, it will always come back to the surface. And it kind of just speaks to like how we deal with things. As you mentioned too, how she was able to eventually find her core group of people. They ended up becoming a somewhat support system. But then actually, I take that back. It was like when her and her brother wasn't talking as much, it wasn't so great. But then later on, when they were, when the kids actually banded together, they believed Bodhi, they ended up, you know, working together and becoming each other's support system. That was when you can see like, like them working um, better together. And they were able to like overcome a lot of things, especially towards the end of the TV show, when they were just trying to figure out ways and strategy of just trying to like, deal with Dodge. And mm-hmm. with what's his name, I believe, is it Sam or is the kid that that murdered their father? Um, so I thought that was very interesting too, where it's like just you know just small things like that, and you know I've been hearing some things too about how some people they're not so big on the fact that you know the adaptation from the comic book the comic book was actually in my opinion a bit darker uh-huh. than the TV show, but at least for me you know with like these three kids the way that they're dealing with like their trauma and just stuff like that I thought they did a great job. It almost felt like like um like yeah like. Stephen King's It, where like all of these kids band together to like figure things out because yeah. the adults aren't really helping right now, you know, and it actually kind of like had like the Stranger Things vibe to it as well. So I love that even though it wasn't a complete pull from the, the comic book, they did it in a way that was very subtle when it comes to like these mental health trauma, trauma themes without making it so, so heavy. Um, and it was still very entertaining and it was still it's great for all types of audience. Like for me, as I guess, what am I like? Am I an, an adult? <laughs> or even just like younger kids, kids that are like in high school, for them to be able to relate 
of like, you know, transitions. And, and if you're as young as Bodhi or you're going into high school or like whatever, or, 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 you know, for the mom, I love that it's a little bit of everything for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, we can't talk about this show without really diving into the keys some more. So I want to just quickly run through what episodes, what keys were found in. So in the first episode, the anywhere key and the mirror key were both found, but Bodhi quickly loses the anywhere key to Echo at the time, who is Dodge and then Lucas. And the, you know, there's so many twists and turns in this. It's a little crazy at times, but then the head key is found in the second episode. And we already talked about that one quite a bit, so we don't need to dive into that one too much more, but it's an interesting key nonetheless. In episode three, they find the matchstick key. Episode four, the ghost key. Episode five, the puppet key and the mm-hmm. tree key. You have the mending key in episode six. Nothing in episode seven, because obviously finding two keys in multiple episodes, you're going to have some where they just kind of have to do their own thing. In episode eight, you get the identity key and the omega key, which is big, obviously. (laughs) So then you have episode nine with the echo key and shadow key. And episode 10, there are no keys again, because by then, they found all of the keys. And that sort of culminates in this big final moment that they're all experiencing in the finale. So once this happens at the end in the finale and they have all the keys, you're kind of like, okay, is this a show that's going to continue? And they do kind of this thing where they give you the ending you're wanting by the end of this, but at the same time, you're kind of like, okay, Mm -hmm. is this just going to be a one season limited series type thing? Or are they going to build on it from the comics. And since I haven't read all of the comics, I don't know what exactly happens at the end of those or if, you know, Joe Mm -hmm. and Gabriel are still working on more comics for it because it did seem like it kind of had a sporadic release schedule, if I'm not mistaken, because I think with some comics, especially if it's not Marvel or DC, they don't necessarily come out like Mm -hmm. every other week or every single month. So it takes a little longer sometimes for these more indie comics to come out. And since I haven't read all of them, I'm kind of like, okay, I want more, but I don't know what they're going to do. Because obviously with the keys, you sort of have endless possibilities too, especially with, you know, the anywhere key where you can go and do this thing where you show up at the Eiffel Tower just by walking through a door (laughs) and, you know, all these things we see. And I think they've done a very nice job of taking the world that was built in the comics and putting it on the screen in a way to where you're kind of like, okay, I want more. Let's see what happens next year. You know, Kinsey and Tyler, one of them is going to be in their senior year soon, probably, because it seems like they might be a great apart. It doesn't seem like they're twins by any means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting because for me, um, you know, I, I did read the graphic novels. Um, I'm pretty sure I read all of them. But I can say that it did seem like they took all the novels and put it into the one season. Okay. So to your point, I'm actually very curious too as to like, is there going to be a second season? Because they kind of left it as like the possibility right but then 
yeah, I'm actually I'm actually not sure um, what direction they're going to go in. Um, it kind of feels like to me almost like a Game of Thrones situation where they covered all the books. So now it's like, okay, now what? Are you going to release more or not? And I, hey, I can totally be wrong here too because yeah. it's, it has been many years since I've like, um, you know, checked in on like, is there anything new out there? Because, you know, with the history of this TV show, actually. It's crazy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like they, they just had like, so many issues because <laughs> issues, but um, <laughs> it was. I believe they actually worked with Fox first. I in think so. Yeah, to create a pilot. Yeah, and I, I remember seeing. I, it might be on YouTube somewhere, somewhere like a quick trailer. And you know, at the time, I was like, "Oh, great! They're finally going to like adapt this to TV." And then I never heard anything about it after that. Um, and then, you know, it's just like within recent years, I think it was maybe two or three years ago, like there was like rumors that Hulu was going to pick it up, but then they dropped it. So it was like, it's as a fan, I was just like waiting and hoping. And then when I heard Netflix, I'm like, oh my gosh, is it finally happening? Um, so, you know, going into watching the initial first season, I had no idea how they were going to, how they were going to chop up the story. Um, but considering that they basically took all the all the graphic novels or like the 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 editions like uh-huh. you know and threw it into one full season it was yeah I'm, I'm very curious as to like what the next steps are so I guess we have a little bit of homework to do <laughs> after this yeah and I mean if it does end up being just this season I think it was good and there are certain things where sometimes they step away from the book like big little lies did this recently the first season covered the book in its entirety and then they came back for a second mm-hmm. season that expanded on it because the creator was involved so because joe hill is very much involved with the show i have a different kind of confidence than you know if the creator <laughs> wasn't going to be involved because there's also the option that you know joe hill and gabriel rodriguez could create more comics I don't think there's any rules saying yeah. they can't do something different and end up writing more comics. But because of the release schedule of comics and how quickly Netflix would likely want to do a second season, like you said, we definitely have some homework to do because there are so many moving pieces, not only in creating a comic, but then having it adapted for television, especially if the creators are involved. So it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, I'm happy this finally came out. I'm very happy it finally came out because (laughs) it was a long time coming. And I am currently feeling the same way about the Why the Last Man adaptation that has been Mm. in turmoil for so long. I'm just like, is it happening? Is it not? I would really love to see it. But, you know, I will take whatever I can get. So if one season is it, that's fine by me. But I know we've mentioned all of the different keys and the characters. So I want to ask you, are there any moments that really stood out to you in this as favorite moments or just visually stunning moments? No, that's a really great question. I think for me, the moments that really spoke to me were just, again, like just a little small metaphorical like details. Like one of the things I didn't really mention that I'll go back to was like, even when the mom, when she was stuck in that mirror maze, I really loved that all three kids were like, like, we need to get her back. And in doing so, you know, they, they put a rope and tied it around Tyler. And he he went in trying to like, grab her and like, remove her or like, take her back. Yeah, the whole thing of like working together, you know, working together, and knowing that, you know, 
at least for Tyler at that time, he was the one that was grounded. He was the one that was anchored on the other side. And he was able to find his mom through this maze and was able to pull her out. You know, like, I think for me, um, as much as I love like the bright colors from like Bodhi's head and just like, wow, like they did a great job of like, like for us to like jump into their minds and just like how beautiful it was. And to me, my favorite moments were just all the little, the little things, those small details. And again, it's kind of like, wow, you guys did a great job of pulling this out because again, you know, just if you skim through the graphic novels, like the line and artwork, it just, it's almost like, so the colors are so muted and so, so moody but uh-huh. the line work and everything the details that gabriel rodriguez like put in there it's just so beautifully done um so i do suggest people to like look it up or if you don't have the time to read it just to look at the artwork itself and how it's portrayed in television like a different medium it was that's what i thought was just so beautiful in my mind yeah i really love the cave scenes too because that yeah. was when things kind of got a little darker and you were sort of feeling you know, this horror mood that, you know, they were trying to set in this mysterious unknown when they were going into these caves. And then when the kids are down there and the tide starts to rise because it's taken them way longer to get to the spot that Kinsey was talking about than they anticipated. And, you know, she's off looking at this blue glowing door, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so (laughs) she is putting the rest of them at risk because, she has found sort of the crux of what these keys are for. And that's where you start to get this obsession of we need to know what's behind that door. And it just amazes me how well they made that door look like it was meant to be in those caves. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're right. I also feel like with her, because by that time, her fear was gone. That was another thing, too, where it's like, okay, even though you might not be scared or, you know, you're living your life freely now, there's still consequences of you not dealing with things in a healthy way where your friends, the people that you care about could be affected by that, you know, and it does portray that a little bit, like when they were going through the cave and like when the tides were coming in. So that was something else where, again, like for me, I love that with younger kids or millennials, they can watch that and just hopefully, you know, it resonates with them of like how you can deal with things in a very healthy way. Yeah, I also loved all of the scenes that were in the woods and the graveyard because it was like, you know, even though with the head key, you had these big surges of colorful scenery you really still got that horror element when you were in the caves, when you were in the woods with these characters, especially when Kinsey's fear kept popping up too. You're like, oh, they nailed the look of that because it's her, but a much more terrifying version of her. And I love when Eden's like, you did this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then it attacks when Kinsey is there and it just freaks them all out on a whole different level. Mm-hmm. I also love the relationship with Rufus and Bodhi, because even though Rufus is obviously so much older, him and Bodhi sort of have this similar playful mindset. And, you know, Rufus is all into the G.I. Joes and soldiers and those action figures. And he really takes his job 
seriously, which, you know, it seems like nobody else really has a job <laughs> that they take seriously because you have Scott, who is a love interest for Kinsey, and he works at the ice cream shop, but he's never really working at the ice cream shop. He's there like twice <laughs> the entire time, and otherwise he kind of just mentions it in passing, but it seems like because they are mostly all high school kids that we're interacting with, you have this element where it's like they're in this weird time period in their lives where they're kind of like, okay, we want to go out and we want to have fun. Like Tyler and his friends, they're all out partying. And then you have mm-hmm. Kinsey, Scott, Gabe, and the rest of the crew just trying to make these little home movies because they actually love doing this, even if it sort of isolates them from what all of the other kids are doing in the outside world. So there's just this nice contrast between these little friend groups that we get throughout the entire season. Yeah, I really love Bodie and Rufus's friendship. Like they're just mm-hmm. so adorable how they're able to, you know, they're both different, you know, but they are able to connect on like common interests. And for Bodie, I think that's so important for him to like find a friend <laughs> that's outside. But it's interesting that he found a friend that's not within really his age group, right? Like the little one who the kids are not taking seriously befriends a guy that is pretty serious. <laughs> like it's, yeah. I think it's just so. It's so funny to me. Yeah, and you can tell that Bodhi feels comfortable with Rufus because he feels like Rufus understands him on a different level that even his own siblings aren't really totally connecting with him on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all around, I thought the character work done in this was great. Visually, it looked good. You have some hiccups in the story here and there. Like, you have the brother... Duncan. Oh, Duncan. Yes, Duncan. So you have Duncan who kind of comes and goes, and I believe he's more based in Boston, which is why he's not there all the time. But he also forgets, like the mom does, about all of the magic. He forgets everything that happened. But because his memories were literally taken out of his head, you know, he's a character Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure we mentioned because of his history with the house. He's the only one other than. Ellie, who has a history with the house. And then we'd later find out that Lucas is Dodge. So there's a history there that is still very dark. You know, there are still very dark moments in this show. I think they just do a nice job of surrounding them with some lighter moments to where it doesn't feel like if you watch all 10 episodes of this in a weekend or something, you're going to be exhausted by the end of it. You're still going to feel good (laughs) by the end of it because of how it ends. But yeah, all around, I think they just did a nice job. I really enjoyed this. I know it got some mixed reviews Mm -hmm. from critics and stuff, but I was like, you know what? Give me all of the comic book adaptations. I am here for them. Yes. Yeah. No, me totally. Because, you know, I when I watched it the first time around, you know, I, I had that feeling too, like, oh man, like the comic book was so much darker. I wished at the time, I wished it was it was a little bit more true to it, like the mood and everything, because you know, it kind of made me think of like the Hunting of Hill House. Yes, I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yes, I love but, it. <laughs> right, where it's just like it's so like it's scary, you know. And in you know, after I watched through uh, Lock and Key the first time and into the second time, I was like, you know what? I'm actually okay with this. Like I, I'm okay with them not taking every single thing from the comic book because I believe if my memory serves me correct, you know, within the first few pages of the first issue, when the father did get murdered, I believe his wife, the mom got raped as well, like in the comic book. 
So they, they made some hard choices, right? When they were trying to build a story for TV, especially when we're talking about like, you know, mental health, trauma and all sorts of stuff that as a viewer, we're able to focus on one trauma that all four people within their family are going through and they're going through it in different ways. They made a lot of hard choices when it came from adapting it Mm -hmm. and it just played out beautifully from a storytelling point of view, but also with the mood as well. Because with these four kids, like, you know, when you watch it, you don't want to also watch it and feel like, oh man, everything's doomed. (laughs) You know, especially with like, the balance of like the beautiful neon colors and all sorts of stuff when you're inside their heads or just different moments. Um, And then later on you see like a darker scene or like, you know, as you mentioned, like the natural scenes of forest, the cemetery being outdoors and everything. There's just a lot of different settings and it's very, it's very contrasting, you know, like you go from, from very something that's kind of like almost like beautifully serene to something that's like bright and like in your face, but that's yeah. that's how life is and story and people's lives, right? It's, it's never just like one mood. It's like multiple things happening all at once. Like you can be really happy and cheerful, but you can also be like struggling and going through a lot of like dark, deep stuff. And I think the visuals and everything collectively, like they did a really great job. And I still, again, going back, like I love that we were able to see all these cameos because you know, watching some of the recent Stephen King films there's been you know like Stephen King is like a cameo in uh I don't want to spoil other things but he'll he'll pop up in like different movies yeah it's been a thing since like the 80s so it shouldn't surprise anyone (laughs) yeah yeah okay that's fair but you know like so when we see Joe Hill a part of me is like oh the if Stephen King's the king of horror then the prince of horror is like totally doing something that's like that his dad is doing and that's totally fun and so wonderful to see that especially because it's like you know, I think about like the cameos with Stan Lee from like the Marvel Universe. To me, I'm actually curious too if Joe Hill's universe will will intersect more so with Stephen King, um, especially because they use the same kid actor from it, as you mentioned before, Georgie, right? So it's yeah. like you see a lot of like crossovers. It's just very fun. It's just very fun to see both of them doing their thing, and for Joe to to have his own version of his story so it's not so identical to what his father's doing. Right. I would also like to quickly give a shout out to Jackie for putting up with Tyler and his weird mood swings throughout (laughs) this season because he would go on like a total bender and just not care and not show up to stuff and disappoint her. And she was still there for him when everything that went down happened because you know you see everyone bringing them all this food and then you have you know the kids who come over and they're like you know okay we know you guys have been going through a lot so we are here we're your friends we're going to stick by you and they go into the caves and you know it's just nice to see that through all the ups and downs that the family is having their new friends are willing to stick by them in the weirdest of circumstances. (laughs) Yeah. Well, not just with Tyler, right? Like it was also like Kinsey, like when she stood up Scott on their date, you know, like she told him that she'll make it up to him and stuff like that. Like he, he didn't write her off right away. And then she suggests dating both of them, him and (laughs) Gabe. I mean, when you have no fear, I guess you can be very bold there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, I just, I really appreciated that too, because also the way that Scott 
was treating her, you know, like when he realized that the first time um, when they were hanging out and she started to freak out a little bit about, you know, some, some memories that popped up in her mind, he, the way that he treated her, he wasn't like a white knight or anything like that. He was just, he was very sensitive to her and mm-hmm. her emotions and feelings, but he still let her be in control. Right. And so I, I love that they, they showed that too, you know, from both sides of like, yeah, how to be there for somebody in different ways, whether it's support or just being sensitive or just to be there to listen. So I really love that they showed that with both Kinsey and Tyler. Yeah, well, I think we have covered a lot. I do want to talk about the keys a little more just because I feel like there were so many things going on with the keys. Did you find it hard to keep track of who had which key and what was going on and what key did what? Because there were quite a few keys. And so you're kind of like, okay, (laughs) wait, the shadow key does this thing and the anywhere key, that one's kind of self-explanatory. And then the matchstick key, you know, that one is the one that is, you know, letting you uh, throw fire around. (laughs) And so a lot of them were pretty self-explanatory, especially the head key, but I just like how they were incorporated into the story. It's It wasn't just like a game of hide and seek and find these keys. It's like, oh, these keys are going to determine how hard things are going to be for all of you. Yeah. So for me, I I was able to remember what key did what, okay. but it was hard for me to keep track of like who had what at mm-hmm. what time. Yeah, that that part was actually a little tough for me. Um, my memory wasn't so great. So even within the first episode, when we see like a matchstick key, a part of me was like, wait, what does this do? I don't understand. What does fire have to do with this? Kind yeah, of thing? because, you know, the the varying degrees of each key, because, you know, the key, there, there's a few keys where it's like, wow, this is really powerful stuff that mm. in the wrong hands, you know, like it could be complete chaos. But then there's other keys where I'm like, wait, I don't understand the purpose of this kind of thing. Which yeah. is, to me, that was the matchstick one. Um, but then I guess it was like, okay, fire. Things that, um, um, I guess they were opposites too, right? Where it's like the matchstick key would like burn and destroy things. But then you have the one that repair things or the, the cupboard when uh, yeah. the mom was playing with that key. So I did like that they have like almost mirror images. There was moments of mirror images when it came to like the different keys. But, you know, I am curious also because within the first episode, you see the father's friends having the matchstick key. But then later on, you start to notice that, oh, wow, like the dad actually owned a few of the keys that he had with him still. And that was when they were living in Seattle, I believe. And he he was just giving them to the kids. But the rest of the keys were like strewn about in the house. So that's when I'm actually kind of curious as to like what happened there. You know, like what happened back then? Like, did they just hide all the keys or did they, were they able to find it? Or The key also seems to have like a life of its own too, with all the whispering, like how they can like whisper and you can hear it to like find it. Mm -hmm. So like they all have their own personalities. So for me, I just wonder like what happened in the past after they brought back, was it like Dodge, you know, like what happened there? Like what, where, where did these, all these keys like did they did the father hide it throughout the house? Did he do it himself, or like like did the keys disappear on its own? That was something I was actually wondering about. I don't remember if it's they explained that in the graphic novels. It's been quite a while since I read it or reread it again. Mm-hmm. But when I was watching it, that was one thing that I was wondering about because as much as like oh yeah, this what happened? It seems like he dispersed 
about half of the keys and then half were still in the house because you have the one that was in Kinsey's bracelet. You have the one that went into the crown thing that was kind of hidden. So at least the crown was hidden a little better than the key seems to have been. And then you have the one that, like you said, the father's friend had when Ellie called or the father called and, you know, he burned his house to the ground. Then you have Aaron who is in a home because she isn't speaking. She doesn't really seem to move much. And she knows the secrets of where the keys are, which is why Echo, Dodge, Lucas, whatever you want to call them. That's why that character keeps going back to see her. And the one thing that I didn't really entirely understand was the relationship with the boy who killed the father and how they kept going back and visiting him and then finally letting him out. And he ended up with the matchstick key. And you're just like, there are so many moving parts to where these keys have been. <laughs> it is hard to kind of keep track from, you know, the past flashbacks that we see and understanding how those keys ended up where they ended up in the future. Yeah. With the match the key, I believe it was the there was a part, right, where Dodge went to she traveled or it traveled to the friend's house, the house that was burned down, and she took it from a random a random kid that was exploring. Um so when she took it I, I believe that was when she gave it to... I forget his name, too. <laughs> the, the boy who killed the father. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that one, I followed along. But then when the kids, when when the three locked children, when they split up their keys, it was hard for me to, like, to, to track that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was tough for me. And I was also... It's also, like, the responsibility for all the kids. Like, they became the new guardians of these keys and yeah. stuff, too. So it's almost like history re- repeating itself. And I mean, in the end, it didn't really entirely matter because they ended up with all of the keys anyway, from what I could tell. Yeah. You know, they had to go get them all back and Tyler had to, you know, steal the one from Dodge and then she couldn't get it back because he had it in his hand. And you're kind of just like, oh, okay. All right. They ended up with all of them in the end. So how we got there, even if it's a little muddy, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, do you have any final thoughts about the show? I think we've talked about it as much as our memories will allow here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I I just think it was like well done, you know, like I wasn't so sure about it. I was very nervous okay. going into the first season just because I love the graphic novel so much. But like as we have discussed, I think at the end of it they did a very great job and I'm just very excited to see what comes after all of this? Same. What's in store if there is going to be a second season or not? And congratulations to both Joe and Gabriel, especially with like, you know, just the history of this coming to television. It took so many years, but I'm glad that it just worked out well in the end and that we finally have it. Absolutely. Well, Jen, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this today. Yeah, I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And quickly, before we go, I want to let you all know how you can support the podcast. You can sign up for our Patreon for a dollar a month. That'll get you a thank you on the show. $2 a month will get you the chance to pick a topic for me and a guest to talk about. For $5 a month, you can join the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group. You can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you prefer. And you can follow us on socials at Geekdom Pod on Twitter 
and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.